Memphis's James Wiseman ruled ineligible by the NCAA. 12 games. You're suspended. You know what that means. Emergency podcast. Hit the sirens. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Wednesday, November 20th, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and this is our second podcast of the day. Two in one day. Have we ever done two in one day, Norlander? I think we, I, you know what, I think we have. I don't think this is unprecedented, but I want to say this is uh, fewer than five. So we have done them. I can't recall off the top of my head. Maybe some diehard listeners can tell us. But pull back the curtain just a little bit here before we did the one earlier on Wednesday um, we were kind of saying like well this Wiseman stuff happened now and if it if it does like we'll just react in real time sure enough shortly after we finish that one you've got to head on into your local radio show in Memphis and uh, the timing was just absurd but we want to get you an emergency pod here to your ears Wednesday night if you're waiting for it or early Thursday morning if you've got a double dose of us well, congrats. We're happy to help you there. But yeah, uh, two podcasts for the price of one. And we got plenty to get to here because the NCAA has come down hard on James Wiseman. If you're listening to this, you probably know some of the details, maybe not all of them. Paris, why don't you lay out what exactly the NCAA did to that young man and, uh, you know, by extension, his, his university. It is true that before we started recording the previous podcast, I said, listen, um, there is a chance, because I was hearing that it was coming today, maybe. I said, there's a chance we, we could record this, and then Wiseman, State pop, Wiseman stuff pops, and we'll just deal with that if we have to deal with it. And sure enough, Wednesday afternoon at 4.05 p.m. Central, at 4.05 in Memphis, Tennessee, the NCAA announced via Twitter that James Wiseman will serve a 12-game suspension, and he will be asked to repay the $11,500 impermissible benefit his mother accepted from Penny Hardaway in the summer of 2017 and make a donation to the charity of his choice. As we talked about on a previous podcast, and again on CBS Sports HQ tonight, I have no idea where they're just going to get $11,500 from. Most American families, and I would assume Wiseman's as well, they don't have that kind of money laying around. Um, And so... um, you know, they'll figure that out one way or another. But the punishment is um, is severe. It is explained in this way. If you look at the normal uh, student athlete reinstatement chart, for lack of a better word, um, there's a pretty clear structure laid out. And for this amount of money, this um, an impermissible va- uh, benefit valued at this dollar amount. The suspension is going to be nine games. That's why when this officially, uh, when this initially became a public thing, James Wiseman's mother accepted an eleven thousand five hundred dollar impermissible benefit from, from Penny Hardaway. Whether it was Seth Davis or Dana O'Neill or anybody else who understands how these things work, said that sounds like a nine game suspension. So the question becomes, well, why is it twelve? It's twelve because the NCAA is sending a clear message to the University of Memphis, and that message is this. When we tell you what to do, you do it. And Memphis did not do it. They played James Wiseman in the first three games of the season in defiance of the NCAA. And so now James Wiseman's suspension will be three games longer than it otherwise would have been. And so it'll be a 12-game suspension. He will not play for Memphis again until January 12th against South Florida. That means he misses this week's in, this weekend's Ole Miss game. He misses the Tennessee game. He misses the Georgia game. He misses multiple conference games. It is, um, I don't want to say excessive, because I'm not sure it's excessive, 
but it is more than what I thought. If you listen to our last podcast where we focused on James Wiseman, here is what I said, because I've had this brought up a little bit. Hey, Paris, you said you thought it was going to be five or six games. Now it's 12. What happened? The reason I thought it was going to be five or six games, as long as I'm being completely transparent, is because that's what the administration at Memphis thought. What they believed is that once Wiseman withdrew the lawsuit and they decided to do what literally any other school would do, which is remove the player in question from competition, deem him ineligible, and then apply for reinstatement, they either assumed or were led to believe or heard what they wanted to hear instead of the truth. I don't know. But once they did that, they were operating under the impression that the NCAA would show them some leniency. Quite clearly, the NCAA did the opposite. And now, according to Pat Forty at Sports Illustrated, the NCAA is also, quote, likely to launch a major infractions case against Memphis Mm. because the school knowingly played an ineligible player, which is a level one violation. So by doing what Memphis did, uh, not strongly advising James Wiseman to, to not go get a temporary restraining order, and then playing him in defiance of the NCAA. Memphis doing that, and I'll bottom line it this way, has it made the suspension longer than it would be and opened the program up to further sanctions. And even if the major infractions case never actually arrives, just the public report from a reputable reporter at a reputable media outlet that suggests that it's, quote, likely is enough to do real damage on the recruiting trail because every coach recruiting against Penny Hardaway until that issue is resolved or removed um, will be reminding prospects, don't go to Memphis, Sports Illustrated reported that they could be dealing with a major infractions case. You don't want to get there and then be a part of a program that is facing a postseason ban. So this is bad, 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 and we can, and we'll get into all of it. But the truth is, Memphis is now paying a price for doing something that it was advised not to do, for doing something that no other school that I know of would have done. Uh, to, to, to be so defiant in the incident blaze face, well, this is the price you're going to pay for. All right. I got a lot of thoughts. But first, what's up with your boy Leslie Ballin? Or Leslie Ballin, I know. But for me, he's <laughs> Leslie Ballin. Okay? Wiseman gets him. This is a dude who apparently, if you catch a murder charge in the greater Memphis area, uh, you might be able to be <laughs> to be walking dude, free uh, before you dude, even if, know it. If you ever I, – I plan to do no wrong in my life. But if I ever do wrong in my life, you can already – I'll give you the scoop. You can report it whenever you want to. Gary Parrish has hired Leslie Ballin to represent him. Quick Did, story on Leslie Ballin. By all means. Woman, a woman named Mary Winkler lived in rural Tennessee shot her husband, who was a preacher, in the back while he was sleeping and then left the crime scene. Just gone. They finally catch her. They arrest her. They charge her with murder because it is, even in Tennessee, illegal to shoot your sleeping husband in the back. Even in Tennessee. Okay. There is no past allegations of wrongdoing by him, no violent stuff. It's just, when this case starts, all anybody knows is that this woman shot her sleeping husband, who's a well-respected preacher in the community, in the back while he was asleep, killed him, and then left the crime scene. Beat the murder charge because of Leslie Ballin. She served, I believe, 67 days in jail and had to get counseling and stuff. I mean, it is, it is on one hand, disgusting, right? Just absolutely yeah. disgusting. I have friends who knew that man. 
and they will tell you, listen, all of our friends aren't perfect, but that guy was as close to perfect as you know. And that woman shot him in his back while he was sleeping, murdered him. So on one hand, it's disgusting. On another hand, amazing. And so, yes, uh, Leslie Ballin um, has done that in his life. And I do think it, 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 it underlines a larger point. This was never a winnable case. You were never going to win this. So, I, again, nobody likes to end up in an eligibility case. Kentucky doesn't like it. Kansas doesn't like it. Auburn doesn't like it. North Carolina doesn't like it. Louisville doesn't like it. But when you end up in a situation like this, the schools almost always handle it the same way. They take the player. They set them down until it is either um, resolved or, um, or, 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 it's just, or it's never resolved. Maybe it's never resolved. But, but they do not knowingly play an ineligible player. And Memphis fans have convinced themselves this is just the NCAA picking on Memphis. It's not true. Mm-hmm. James Wiseman was the number one prospect in the country who made an unusual move from Nashville to Memphis before his junior year of high school and then followed his grassroots and high school coach to the University of Memphis. That was always going to be looked into. And then they found what they found. It's not like the you can probably tell I spent two weeks talking about this. It's not like the NCAA went and planted evidence on Penny Hardaway and James Wiseman's mother. Like a, like a, like a cop might throw a bag of Coke in a car and say, what do you got down there in, in your floorboard? They found what they found. Nobody even denies that it happened. And then the NCAA says, you have a likely ineligible player. Not, by the way, because Memphis fans, some of them have grabbed onto that. Well, you know, the NCAA said likely ineligible. They only say likely because it's not their responsibility at that point to deem him ineligible. It is Memphis's responsibility to deem him ineligible. So what the NCAA says is, listen, you should not be playing him. It's going to cause you problems. Um, don't do it or else. And then Memphis just did it. They just went and played him. Under the similar circumstances, Kentucky set down Ennis Cantor. Louisville set down Brian Bowen. Kansas set down Billy Preston, Silvio DeSosa. Um P.J. Harrison, North Carolina, set him down when, uh, when an issue arise, arises. Uh, Fab Mello, Syracuse, sits him down when an issue comes up. Just in the past couple of weeks, Ohio State football took the best player in college football and set him down. They didn't just say, screw you, NCAA, we're going to keep playing him, because they know you don't handle a situation like that. So why Memphis went this direction was never clear. It was never smart. And now they've put their program in, a, in an incredibly bad place. College basketball has developed um, a pattern here where uh, some of it, the eventual top 10 picks um, have uh, run into injury or eligibility issues. I mean, uh, you've got Wiseman this year. Last season, uh, you had Zion Williamson and Darius Garland because of injuries. Uh, they wound up to be top 10 picks, but they weren't available. A year before that, you had the drama with Aiton and even Colin Sexton to a bit. Um, so it's becoming a thing where if you're a projected top 10 pick, uh, College Hoops, uh, for the worse, has just not been able to avoid just having these kind of big stories. Like James Wiseman's been the biggest story in college basketball for the first two weeks of the season. Like if you're kind of casually following the sport kind of with you know the daily news cycle, the only thing that's really mattered for college basketball is the circus surrounding James Wiseman. And I don't think it's a horrible thing for the sport, but, you know, it'd be great if uh, if some more attention was paid to other stuff. Um, and, oh, by the way, Wiseman did look awesome in the games that he played. Um, I know Memphis fans have already done the math on this, but here is what really stings. Um, had Memphis just abided by 
the the timeline here with the with the with the nine games and that's all they if you got a pro I have a I I hate the length of the suspension I just, I just do I don't like it for a lot of reasons but what happens in these kind of cases uh, is that the NCAA has like literally a chart where it's if it's this money amount it amounts to this percentage of a player season. That's why people would be like, Chase Young only got two games. Well, college football doesn't have as many games as college basketball. So the amount of games, the percentage of your season, that's why it's different because the money amounts are almost the same. Chase Young about twelve grand, and here we got eleven five with Wiseman. Um, so that's why it's that, and then the three games on top of it because they played him anyway. If they had sat him at the start of the season and we had not seen James Wiseman in a Memphis uniform to this point, he misses the South Carolina State, UIC, Oregon, Alcorn State, those are the four they've already played. Little Rock, here as we speak on Wednesday night, Memphis is in the midst of that game. That's game five. Six Ole Miss, seven NC State, eight Bradley, nine UAB. And you know what that means? That means that on Saturday, December 14th, if Memphis had just done what it ultimately did, but just abided by things through proper protocol, James Wiseman would have made his debut as a Memphis Tiger on the road at Tennessee Holy crap, would that have been awesome. Instead, we don't have Wiseman against Tennessee or Jackson State, New Orleans, Tulane, Georgia on January 4th against the the guy he might be battling with for the number one spot overall in the draft, Anthony Edwards. Totally sucks that we don't get that barring a, a win on appeal. And then there's a, a, a fairly tough road game at Wichita State after that, which was which will be the final game if this suspension holds that Wiseman doesn't play. Um, we'll get some of the schedule stuff in a second. But uh, Parrish... I, I still maintain this. I hate the length of the suspension. Wiseman, for the purposes of the record, and you said on CBS Sports HQ you believe this, and I, I kind of think I do too. Um, he didn't know this was happening. Now, I know you have to have safeguards in place, and you've mentioned on previous podcasts that this very rule exists because of the Cam Newton loophole that was exposed. You can't allow adults and representatives to go willy-nilly and then just keep it from the kid or tell the kid at all costs, you don't know anything, and that's how you get past all this. I understand that, um, but it it just does not sit well with me at all, at all, that Wiseman is the only person taking the brunt of the punishment here, and... The payment stuff, I don't even get. I mean, I brought up the student-athlete repayment plan on the NCAA's site. I'll just read one graph real quick. If a student-athlete misses a payment, the student-athlete is not current with his or her repayment plan and is ineligible until he or she becomes current with the terms of the established repayment plan. If a student-athlete competes while not current with an approved repayment plan, the institution is in violation of NCAA rules and must report that violation to the student-athlete reinstatement staff and NCAA secondary enforcement staff. The student-athlete's eligibility must be reinstated prior to competing. Big answer to the, the question that's out there is... Wiseman is going to, at what rate, I have no idea because he's 18 years old and, like, literally, actually, Paris, like, how much money do you think James Wiseman has in a bank account attached to his name right now? Like most Americans, not much. Like, no, like, I, like how, I, I, how, I'd how honestly, I, I bet you it's not even $1,000 for, for a number of reasons, but I, I, I would be highly surprised given what James Wiseman has spent the past four years of his life doing and, you know, like, not holding down a, a, a 30 hour a week job during his summers. I, I don't really think he has all that much money. And so uh, the point I'm making here is 
there might be some repayment plan that he's entering into. But the thing is a freaking farce because he's not going to be able to donate that 11.5 to charity until he leaves Memphis and is able to actually bring in a real income. So there's this sucky irony to this whole thing where he, the NCAA doesn't want him to make money, doesn't want him to earn money, and now it's in effect fining him $11,500 in order for him to get in good standing to come back and play. The adults have totally failed the kid here. I absolutely hate it, and I hope that Memphis can get something back on appeal. I don't know how likely it is, but damn, if he can't get at least two or three games back for the one and only year he's going to play in college, I think that would be justice. It remains to be seen if Memphis has any shot at winning that, though. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Yeah, let me make this clear. Um, I think it was foolish for Memphis to do what it did, how it handled this initially. Um, You can go back and pull the tapes. I was in New York um, for that Friday night of the first week of the college basketball season. And I uh, I was in a makeup chair getting ready for TV when the Wiseman news broke that um, that the NCAA had ruled him likely ineligible, um, the implication being Memphis do not play him, and that Memphis was going to play him anyway because a judge had issued a temporary restraining order. Um, one thing to note there on the temporary restraining order real quick, because Memphis fans, some of them, keep arguing, what were we supposed to do? A judge filed a temporary restraining order. We had to play him. Or else we'd be, um, you know, in violation of the t- of the restraining order. Well, first off, <laughs> dude, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. I mean, it's just one dumb question after another, after another, after another. I've sentenced you to play tonight. Like what? What? Okay. First off, first off, the NCAA told Memphis that Wiseman had eligibility issues on that Tuesday before the first game of the right. season. He didn't go to court that day, and they ran him out on the court anyway. So they, he played in the season opener when there was no temporary restraining order. They just like it's like if you you get an email that you don't want to have to deal with, you just ignore it. That's what they did. They just ignored it. They were just like whatever. We've been looking forward to tonight for a while. James Wiseman is playing. It's just insane. All right. So you fast forward to that Friday, he gets the temporary restraining order, and again the temporary restraining order that would prevent theoretically Memphis from ruling him ineligible. But a judge can't tell Penny Hardaway to who to put in the starting lineup. A judge can't tell Penny Hardaway who to play. So you can get the temporary restraining order that prevents the NCAA or Memphis from ruling you ineligible. But you just dress him. You say, of course he's eligible. You know, we, we, there's a restraining order. And you just don't put him on the court. 
that's what other schools would have done. I've talked to enough other people to know that's how other schools would have handled that. So the whole temporary restraining order thing is not a valid explanation. A, he didn't have it in the first game, and B, it didn't really matter anyway for the purposes of this NCAA case. And so I'm sitting in that makeup chair, and the news breaks. He's been ruled ineligible. They're going to play him anyway. And I'm live on the radio. They call me back to put me on my own show as a guest. And I'm still just like trying to process this. It's been a matter of seconds. And the host, it was uh, a guy named Matt Stark filling in. He said, are you surprised that Memphis is going to play him? And I said, shocked. And I also think it's crazy because what you are potentially doing is putting your program at long-term risk because at some point a judge is going to rule if you continue to fight at some point a judge is going to rule somewhere that the NCAA is a voluntary uh, organization and that once a school uh, agrees to be a member and once a person agrees to be a student athlete at a member institution you are by extension agreeing to play by their rules and so once a judge somewhere if you continue to push this rules that the NCAA is allowed to enforce its rules well then boom Memphis is going to be hit with a notice of allegations for playing knowingly playing an ineligible player and the best thing that'll happen would be you vacate the 2019-20 season um the next stuff is the more serious stuff Future postseason bans, recruiting restrictions, scholarship reductions, maybe a suspension for Penny Hardaway. It's insane that Memphis would run him out on the court. So I make this point. And yet, because LeBron James wants you to fight, and oh, because yeah. there's a Twitter lawyer who wants you to fight, um, people start to just work themselves into a frenzy. But as I explained previously, LeBron James got no skin in the game. Uh, the Twitter lawyer's got no skin in the game. Accurate. They don't lose anything if the incident comes back and does exactly what it did today, which is hammer Memphis. And if the Sports Illustrated report is true, and I got no reason to believe it's not, it puts Memphis at the risk of future sanctions. The Twitter lawyers don't care. LeBron James doesn't care. But now Memphis is sitting here in an incredibly, incredibly unfortunate situation that not only is going to affect this season, but possibly future seasons and definitely recruiting because every coach in America recruiting against Penny Hardaway right now is going to tell any prospect, be careful. Memphis, according to Sports Illustrated, is facing a major infractions case. Could get hit with a postseason ban. You don't want to get there, get trapped, and then not be allowed to play in the NCAA tournament. Going down this path was foolish, and now it's costly. And I'd like to believe that if an infraction case is going to open up, if it does, we'll see um, – there would be some sensibility on behalf of the NCAA to the uniqueness of this situation with Penny Hardaway, his timeline to getting the job. But I doubt that will be the case for a couple of reasons. Um, One, here's a quote from Penny Hardaway on Tuesday night on CBS Sports Network on uh, We Need to Talk. He said, quote, unfortunately for us with the James Wiseman situation, we were very transparent with the NCAA. We didn't know there was a violation, and whether we agree with it or not is the situation that we're in. I'm going to read that first sentence again. Unfortunately for us, with the James Wiseman situation, we were very transparent with the NCAA. (laughs) I mean, that's a loaded, loaded quote there. And so what you have here, Penny Hardaway has to be absolutely furious right now. And if I'm Penny Hardaway, I understand that point of view entirely. But um, the, uh, the... uh, contentiousness from his side toward the NCAA is not going to simmer here. 
And if behind closed doors there are uh, shouting matches or puffy chests or anything of that sort, um, to me it could only induce more potential infractions to come against Memphis down the road. Uh, I hope we don't get there, but what Penny Hardaway said on CBS Sports Network's air on Tuesday night, uh, to me that's him also saying, you know, as kind of an aside, like, okay, you did this to us once, that's fine, but uh, but we are not playing ball going forward. So if you're gonna if you're gonna want to try and get something on any of my players going forward, like rest assured, you're gonna have to dig for it. And I mean, I took I take Penny this word there, given that they cleared them initially in May, and they might have found this stuff out more about it in late October, and then they got into the situation. But from his perspective on this, like it's a complete cluster, you know what? And man, we'll see. It would it would really be. Uh, I'd, I'd have an issue with it. It would be too bad, Parrish, if we come to discover months down the road that the NCAA is like, okay, we're going to pluck you two scholarships for the next year and one for the year after that, and you're on probation. Nothing like a postseason ban's coming. We're not even getting close to that. But we wait and see if, if the if the program itself is going to uh, to take any more significant things in addition to the Wiseman stuff that it's already dealing with. Um, I guess I'd say this. Um, the idea that he didn't know it was a violation, I, I won't even get into whether I believe that or not. It just, it's immaterial to the situation. The ignorance is not an excuse. I didn't know that was against the law. It's not going to do much for you if you're in a court. And I didn't know that's against the rules. is isn't going to do much for you when you're dealing with the NCAA. Um, you know, but on the, I would also say Penny's a smart guy. And he was a college basketball player before he was a grassroots coach, before he was a high school coach, before he was a college head coach. Yeah. Um, in what world does anybody think providing more than $10,000 to the mother of a five-star prospect is probably just cool at school with the NCAA? Like, come on, right? Fair. Like, come on. Yeah. And, yeah. and so there's that. But I will say there is enough unusual circumstances with this case that I could see Memphis getting some of it back on appeal. And I, I wouldn't think it's the wrong thing. And I, actually, I could argue it's the smart thing for the NCAA because they're right now on the right side of the rule book, but they are on the wrong side of the court of public opinion. You know, Patrick Mahomes is tweeting that this is crazy. I, I saw that, yeah. And that kind of stuff, continue with the thought, Parish, but, like, it's just that kind of stuff, like, little by little by little. Maybe the NCAA doesn't give an F, but it should because when you really step back and evaluate the situation as a whole, like, it, 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 it I'm sorry, but it, it, it's ridiculous. In, in 2019, we shouldn't be uh, at this kind of situation. Anyway, continue your thought. And, and this is the point I was going to make earlier before I got sidetracked about temporary restraining orders. Um, I... I, I could I could totally rationalize them getting some of it back on appeal just because this is such an unusual deal. First and foremost, I do believe that James didn't know. And I know that it doesn't matter according to the NCAA rulebook. And I'm actually in favor of that rule being in place as long as we're going to have these rules. Like, I don't think we should have any of these rules. Mm -hmm. But if we are going to make it a rule that you can't accept impermissible benefits, then we have to also make it a rule that the student-athlete can be held accountable for the adult actions because otherwise, like we've talked about before, um, you've got a, a playbook to cheating. You just accept as a parent or a coach, guardian, whatever, whatever you want to accept, and you go, okay, A, we're probably not going to get caught, but B, if we do get caught, as long as I say the student-athlete didn't know, and as long as the student-athlete says he didn't know, and as long as there's no evidence to the contrary, then we're cool to school. Well, you can't have that. So James has to be held responsible. 
But I do think you can also, like from a practical perspective, look at it and go, it sucks, though, that he's going to miss 12 games of his only season of college basketball and he didn't know anything about this. Like if I accepted $11,500 from somebody tomorrow or gave $11,500 to somebody tomorrow, my 16-year-old son would not know. Had no way of knowing. Right. He has no idea how much money we have. Uh, and, and so I can't, I, I can't reasonably believe that Wiseman did or should have known. But, so that, that's one unusual situation. The other unusual situation is that from a rule book perspective, what this is is a Memphis booster providing an impermissible benefit to the mother of a five-star player who eventually went to the University of Memphis. What that sounds like is you know, the way you hear about it in football all the time. Alabama booster wanted to buy a defensive lineman. He gave money to whoever he had to get to. The guy enrolled at Alabama, roll tide. That's not what happened here. Here's the truth. Um, Penny Hardaway's version of the story is, I just knew this family. This mother needed, wanted to move to Memphis to be near who, her daughter, who was also a student, at the, who was a student at the University of Memphis at the time. And I made $120 million playing basketball. $11,500 is nothing to me. I, 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 the goodness of my heart, I saw somebody I cared about who needed money, and I gave them money. Okay, that's his version. I don't believe that. But I, like, I, I do believe that $11,500 ain't nothing to him. But I do, what I, I, the money was motivated by he was trying to win a state championship. That's, that's what he was doing. He yes, was trying which to Which is now, to after get, the fact, in, in doubt, apparently. I mean, you know more about that case than I do. But um, there could already be a vacation situation in regard to the state title and all that, too. Yeah, that's that's probably going to be wiped from the record books as well. But you'll never convince me that Penny Hardaway was just like handing out money to a mom because the mom wanted to move to be close to the daughter. If if the if the mom's son was a mid-major player, I bet that doesn't happen. Mm. It happened because James Wiseman was the best prospect his age uh, literally in the world. Okay. So that's but that's his version. Um but even if you accept the more likely realistic, not dumb version, which is, no, he was trying to get James Wiseman to East High School to play basketball for East High School so he could win a state championship, um, that still doesn't rise to the level of what these cases usually are. In other words, Penny Hardaway was a Memphis booster, yes, and he provided money to a mother of a, of a student athlete, a recruitable student athlete, true, but it wasn't to get James Wiseman to go to Memphis. It was to get James Wiseman to go to East High School. And so that's unusual. That's not the way these things normally work. Now, I do think you can start to connect some dots here. Because Penny has said that he had no idea when he provided that money to James Wiseman and it allowed James Wiseman to move to Memphis. He had no idea that he was going to be the Memphis head coach and one day recruit James Wiseman to Memphis. And I can't tell you what he had in his head. So I, I can't say that's not true. I can just tell you that I had an idea that he would be the head coach at Memphis. In fact, on the day James Wiseman moved to Memphis, I said, this is why you've got to fire Tubby Smith after this season and hire Penny Hardaway. Because if you wait another season, James Wiseman will already be signed to Kentucky. But if you do it after this season, after James's junior year of high school, then at some point, either before or during his senior year of high school, uh, Penny Hardaway could bring him and the other players that he had relationships with to the University of Memphis. So if Penny didn't have any idea it was going to happen, that's fine. But I had a very clear idea that it not only uh, should happen, that it, it probably could. And it actually did. So I do think you can reasonably say, and it was interesting because the NCAA termed this a recruiting inducement. 
Mm-hmm. And I do think you can reasonably call it a recruiting inducement, and here's how. The $11,500 that went to Wiseman's mother is what led to him being at East High School. And him being at East High School at least contributed to Penny Hardaway getting the job. And I don't think there's any way to intelligently argue that that financial commitment that he made to the family <laughs> didn't help him recruit James Wiseman to the University of Memphis. I don't want to like I, I don't want to go on off like a ten minute tangent, but it, like how many degrees removed is that from Mike Boynton hiring Cannon Cunningham to his staff? That's a geographic advantage in addition to a familiar one, or USC doing the same thing with the Mobleys. You are providing uh, a financial opportunity for the family to be uh, closer to a geographic region. Now that's legal. I have no problem yeah, with I, them I, hiring I that. But like, what? Like, how many degrees separated are we really no, from all of that? No, here's listen. I'm with you. It, it's it's no doing what Penny did for Wiseman's mother. To get James Wiseman ain't really that much different than when um, I'd say it's less. I I think it's. I don't think either is offensive. I think that's less offensive. Well, here's here's the thing. Whatever you think is offensive, not offensive. I I got you. Here's the problem. One is allowed, the other is not. It's going to boil down to that. That's what it's always going to boil down to. And if you want to change the rules, I've said it a million times. Put me in charge. Give me all the power. I'll change all the rules rules tomorrow. But the rules are the rules as long as they're in place and. What Mike Boynton did is allowed, and what Penny Hardaway did is not allowed. And it really is as simple as that. You can hate the NCAA all you want. I hate them too. But this is an undeniable violation. And when Memphis started down the path it started, um, it created additional problems that they did not need to create. I got two more things on this, and then I'm pretty good for this podcast. One... It is interesting to to look back because um, we had offline conversations about this. Um, you know, Wiseman doesn't play on their trip to the Bahamas, this and that. Is he injured? Whatever. Uh, I mean, that's just a joke in retrospect. Like, uh, there was obviously some noise around this. Here's what I want to know, though. Here's the story. Um, Wiseman gets cleared in May. What was the thing that just got this all going again? Was it someone else that tipped off the NCAA, uh, you know, an outside entity? Was it the NCAA just, oh, let me check this paperwork again. Was it Memphis on its own, which I don't really think that was possible. So to me, um, that's that's the unknown that I, that I would well, like let me, to know. Let me, answer, let me answer that real quick. Okay. Um, because the idea that the NCAA cleared him and then just decided to not clear him is something that the Memphis fan base has held on to tightly. Um, where that originates from, that idea, is the lawsuit, the complaint that Wiseman's attorney filed in court. But the NCAA has never said that, and the University of Memphis has never said that. Nobody at Memphis has ever said they just changed their mind. That's what the complaint suggested from Wiseman's attorney. Now, I don't know if you know much about uh, complaints, but they can say whatever they want. Of course. So, so it, just because it's in that doesn't make it true. And I do think it's interesting that Memphis has never once said that. Honestly, if if you're Memphis and you feel like you're being wronged, wouldn't the first thing you say, wouldn't it be the NCAA looked into this? We were transparent from the jump. We told them about the money. They told us it was cool. Nothing changed. And then they changed their mind on the opening day of the season. If that's really what happened, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be the first thing you stand up and say? 
I feel like Penny Hardaway Nobody has said that. I feel like Penny Hardaway has said that with some coded language on multiple occasions though. So, uh, I feel like nobody, Pe- nobody's put it that direct. Um what what it, you know, what is more likely is that something came up. Um a, 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 maybe maybe it's as simple as a, a different interpretation of what actually happened, but the idea that they just changed their mind for no reason is um Yeah, I don't think that happened. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, okay, and, and and the other thing is, um, just because you are players are are declared ineligible retroactively all the time. Players are cleared and then not cleared later all the time when something comes up. Chase Young was once upon a time cleared, mm-hmm. and then something came up and they had an issue. Silvio De Sosa once upon a time was cleared. P.J. Harrison, when just because you were cleared doesn't mean you're cleared forever. If something if something rises to the level of um, of interest with the NCAA or your own compliance department, you deal with that in, in real time. So I've never spent much time on, they cleared him in May. It makes for a great story, but they cleared him in May doesn't mean that, that, that this stuff didn't actually happen and that you weren't going to have to deal with it when they told you on the opening day of the season, this is something you're going to have to deal with. Last thought is on uh, on the games to come without Wiseman here. Uh, the selection committee will have an interesting uh, case with Memphis here because um, if it loses games, you still get docked for losing. But if they look, you know, they look B level without Wiseman and then A level with him, um, we'll obviously talk about this on multiple podcasts when we get down the road later in the season. But just for the Memphis fans out there, like you know, if you you got you don't have them for another you know eleven games here, and if you go seven and four in those games and then you lose like three other games total the rest of the season with Wiseman. It's not like those four losses don't count against you. They will. It's just going to be up for interpretation for the committee to say how much they want to dock you or don't want to dock you. Um, but within the context of this season, like this is a significant thing in terms of where, how how Memphis can uh, can navigate its schedule and what kind of seed it can ultimately get. I still think that it's a an NCAA tournament level team without Wiseman, but not nearly the level obviously that it is with him. So that'll be something intriguing to watch going forward um, as we speak. Here, Memphis was in a close game uh, against Little. Rock at literally as we were recording the podcast um, and they have pulled away to the point that they're going to win so you know they're going to move to four and one here and then the next game will be at home Saturday against Ole Miss and we will uh, we'll chat up that I'm sure uh, in addition to a few other games on hello we got one more podcast coming for you you're going to get four this week that we'll get to on the Friday pod shouts to Devin Downey shouts to Chester South Carolina shouts to Terry MF and Teagle he's a legend shouts to Larnell please go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to ensure you get the latest episodes in your phone ASAP. So go do that, and we will talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it 
in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 